podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned in to Three Questions and a Song, episode number 57, the podcast where the title says it all, except for when it doesn't, like to, to that today's episode. Um, so with me tonight is Judy Rodman. Um, Judy's a singer, a songwriter, a vocal coach. Um, um, I just heard her say that she produced an album. Is there anything you don't do in the music music industry? You know, if you've been in the music industry for five decades, like I have, you've worn multiple hats and roller skates. So, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And he, the cool thing is each one of, uh, influences the other and uh, makes the other one better, actually. So it's not a bad thing, but it's definitely scattered. Yes. Lots of right. Trip. So in this podcast, it's really a, a quick thing. I'm going to ask the question and we answer it. I'm not even going to segue. I'm just going to go to the next question until we get to the point where I'm trying to decide what I'm going to ask you. Then we'll have the okay. O's, O's and ums. <laughs> okay. Nice. So the first two are questions that you suggested. So we should be good there. Um, what are some differences between the stage and studio singing? Well, in the studio, generally, the audience is not there. And if they are there, they're probably the wrong ones in the control room. So there's that. And uh, the other thing is, you know, in the studio, it's like being under the microscope for your audio has to be really, really perfect. And yes, you can fix it in the mix, but it sounds a whole lot better if you fix, fix it while you're singing it. And so, uh, you know, the cool thing is you get to do it more than once. The tiring thing can be because you get to do it more than once and you can get, you know, it's, it's a very artificial kind of place to perform because really singing is supposed to be communication. So there's several, several things that are different about studio and uh, uh, stage. And one other big one is if you play an instrument on stage, you don't have it with you normally. So your hands make your ribs kind of come down and blows your breath control out of the water, which blows your vocal control out of the water, unless you know what to do about it. So those are a few things that are different. Um, do you find it that a lot of vocalists overthink it when they're in the studio because they're trying to make yeah. it perfect? Well, there is that. Uh, that's a big part of the what, what I teach, which is the performance part, meaning communication. You know what most people sing to in the studio? <laughs> the, the pop filter right? Uh, good luck making it feel something and definitely good <laughs> luck getting a response out of it because you're real, really supposed to be singing past the hole in the fence, which is what the pop filter is. Sing past the hole in the fence to the heart the lyric is to, not to the producer because <laughs> it probably has nothing to do with him. So that, that's, uh, that's the thing. You sing uh, if you if you do that and you really focus on the one heart, then you can stop being scattered and you can stop overthinking, which is, you know, being scattered is what causes you to overthink. And then your one goal is to get the response you want out of the heart you're talking to. And that's going to uh, create magic. 
what what are some things that vocalists can do to avoid vocal fatigue and strain? That one, being a metal and rock person, I, I see that happen a lot. So when I saw that question, like I'm definitely asking that one. <laughs> yes, and I work with um, some metal and rock people too. And what I teach is for you to pull the strong stuff, the strong screams and, you know, the big high notes and all that. And your throat will never feel it. And then it becomes actually a magic trick because what you've done is you've opened your voice to resonation and that's how you get those big sounds. Like I'm going to turn backwards and do one. You know, and, and so I can, I would have blown your speakers if I went this way, but it, I didn't feel it with my vocal cords or my throat. Didn't feel anything because I'm pulling that sound. It's uh, Jamie Vendera is the co- another rock coach that I really love. He calls it the inhalation sensation. But what you definitely don't want to do is regurgitate those sounds forward because then your career is going to be short, you know, and, or you're going to get a lot more, uh, you know, gravel and grunge than you really want. <laughs> it sounds like me after I've been to a concert. <laughs> exactly. I'm screaming out in the crowd. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. No drill sergeants don't make good singers. So. <laughs> um, all right. So I warned you that I was going to ask you some off the wall questions too. Yeah. I love it already. Um, so if you were booking a band to play a barbecue at your house, what <laughs> band would you pick and why? <laughs> oh my gosh a band to do the barbecue Ooh, i would book my friend mark elliott who is an americana singer slash mountain man slash psychologist slash author slash, i mean and because he is very interesting and funny and extremely good as a vocalist and a guitarist and his band is kind of like my cup of tea it's like really off the wall <laughs> But but really beautiful, yeah. So recently, um, I watched a documentary on Robert Johnson, the blues guitarist. That you know, the story is that he met the devil at a crossroads and sold his yeah. soul to be able to play play the guitar. So, if you were standing at that crossroads waiting for the devil, what would you sell your soul for? In other words, what what's the one thing in music that you really really want? <laughs> Uh, heart. I mean, heart. If if it doesn't have any heart in it, it's not worth doing. It's just not worth doing. I don't care how good the licks are. So heart slash magic. All right. You ready for some more off the wall ones? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right. If you were one of a handful of people that survive an apocalyptic event and only one song from every band survives and those songs are responsible for helping to repopulate the earth, which one of you, which one of your songs should be in that group? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. Let's see. One of my songs, um, uh, a one-way ticket kind of sounds sounds a little fatal, but that's the one that I co-wrote. It's a little fatal, so I'm not sure that would work. Probably until I met you. Okay, it's my number one country song, and it's about everything was nothing until I met you. So there you go. I like it. 
Um, if you could, we're, we're going to go Forrest Gump on you for a moment. You're sitting on a bench. Right, great. And great. next to you sits down your musical idol. Who is that? Who's going to be sitting next to you? And what are you going to talk to them about? James Taylor. And I'm going to talk to him about the fact that if he would lower his chin just a little bit, he wouldn't get so vocally tired. <laughs> okay. I, I, <laughs> I th- great doesn't mean they can't be better or even, you know, like healthier. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that that's going to come in a little later when we get to the question from, from Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> If you could, so Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, I've been trying really hard to get on his radar. I want him to come on one of my podcasts and um, his band is known for bringing people up on stage to, to play with them. If you could end up on stage with any artist, who, who would your Dave Grohl be? Who would you be up on stage with? It would be Bonnie Wright. It would be Bonnie Wright. I want to sing harmony with you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to sing harmony on one of your songs. (laughs) Talk about heart. Oh, yeah. So before. Turner, you know, that would do too. They, you know, there's a split there. Um, Before I really blow my three questions out of the water and keep going with more questions, because I'm having fun. Um, you, you brought a song with you, an R&B track called um, You Want It Back. Can you tell me a little bit about that track before we listen to it? My husband is a drummer uh, slash classical percussionist who became a, a session drummer in Memphis and my drummer when I was on the road. And uh, it's just brilliant. But anyway, he, after 20 years of giving it, 25 years of giving it up, he just, he and I decided to do another project and we'd never written together. So what would happen is he would be over in the corner over there when the drum set was set up and he would be just like playing, playing stuff like riffs and playing grooves and changing them up and stuff like that. And then I would like think about what it said. And so he was doing this weird little thing that was kind of like, uh, I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, and and I, I just said, you know, but that about you want it back. And so then I f- tried to figure out what the song said from there. And there it was. And it became one of the most fun songs I've ever written or ever done uh, because it had that R&B thing to it. And it also has a sax solo to die for by Mr. Sam Levine, who is, you know, John, my friend and, and just an iconic horn player and uh you know, all kinds of thing players in Nashville. So we have Sam on it. And then I got to, you know, the bridge is like this thing that takes off and it's, it's just wonderful. So I hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're going to take, take a moment and listen to Judy Rodman's song. She moves like a magnet to metal. 
Maybe you ain't ever coming home. You can't remember when she wasn't everything. Hey, that was You Want It Back by Judy Rodman, who is with me right now, judyrodman.com. You can see it in the video right below her in the video. Um, so last episode's guest was Christian Montgomery, and uh, he has a question for you. I'm going to go ahead and let him ask it. So I think the answer to Christian's sort of double question there is, is similar uh, to cover both both parts of it. One is, um, yes, I agree with your teacher in lots of ways that you shouldn't be stretching your vocal cords from the outside, especially bringing your chin up 
and you know stretching out like that that's really bad uh, there's an alexander technique uh, that peter jacobson teaches where you can imagine a rod uh, between your temples and you sort of nod down a little bit on the high notes so um, woo, you know you, so you kind of rock down on that and that that keeps you from trying to pull on your larynx from the outside so that the larynx itself can make the adjustments the thyroid cartilage can tilt in your neck and make the adjustments it needs to create that note all right so bottom line is it should make your voice feel and sound better last longer and do what you want it to okay and as far as teaching you to find your own voice that's totally right if a teacher tries to take you out of where you want to be and teach you their way of, sty of styling something uh, and it's not what you like then no don't do it uh, if if we teach as teachers if we teach our students to sing with great technique that makes their voice healthy and gives their voice options then it's the student's intention to communicate that should choose among those options hope that makes sense i have 100 percent blown the three questions thing out out of the water for this episode but it's kind of a special episode so we're going to deal with it um so i mentioned earlier we're going to jump to me for a moment that you know i do two podcasts i do um i have a radio station as of this weekend, and my wife doesn't know this yet, I have a one-time-per-month um, streaming radio show that's going to be in the United Kingdom. Um, oh, wow. Cool. And I teach all day. So oh, wow. What, what should <laughs> I be paying attention to voice-wise? If you will do your little chords a favor and treat them like the devos or you know <laughs> that they are and not make them work very hard, they'll work all day for you every day. And what you have to do about it is you have to pull the scaffolding up, which is it, what I mean is your posture. And you're going to get tired of doing that. Do it anyway or your chords will complain. But so if, if you if you get tall as you're sitting behind your podcast mic, uh, make sure the mic is kind of closer to you. You're, I've got this cockpit desk, so I move my knees in so that your head is parked over your tailbone instead of your pubic bone. Uh, if you're standing over your heels instead of the balls of your feet. And then what you're going to find is two things. You're going to find an open throat and you're going to find an open rib cage. The open rib cage controls breath because of what it lets the, the diaphragm do. The open throat provides your sound. All you do is just articulate sound into meaning, okay? The sound is created by your woofers and tweeters up in your head and the spaces there being open. Well, if you're collapsed, you can hear my voice change right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there and I'm, I'm, you know. Another thing that you need to do is use your face because if you don't use your eyes and it's easy to do when you're just doing stuff on the phone or radio like instead of video we can see each other so you're going to use your eyes more but if you don't use your eyes your throat's not going to be open because it opens up down and back okay and if you do those things for your voice these things will work all day for you and never complain because they like to be vibrated <laughs> all right so this is kind of probably going to get some of the same answer so we do some musical stuff with like, I'm in a K to K to eight building and 
every year I try to explain to the children how to use the microphone. And I'm trying to tell them to, you know, that the voice should be coming out of their diaphragm, but they're not getting it. How can I explain that better? Don't, like, don't use the D word. <laughs> don't use the D word. <laughs> Most people don't even know where the diaphragm is. If they, you know, if they do, they think they're supposed to, to speak from there and they're not or sing from there. You're not sing from your butt. That's going to, you can't tell the child that just say, sing from your feet, sing from your, your legs, sing from your legs. And uh, then when, and, and using a microphone, the important thing is how they hold it. Not like an ice cream cone and not like that. And not like that, like that, like 45 degrees, you have them all hold it just like that. And then you'll notice that they kind of pull their head back and their posture gets different. Uh, they're not singing at it, uh, but they're speaking into it from all of their big speakers up in here. Tell them their speakers are up in there. And then they just talk through the mic like that. And if, if they're holding it like this, they tend to use better technique without even knowing what they're doing. Yeah. What's what's hard is when we're not holding it, like if we're playing an instrument like I talked about before or we're speaking into a podcast mic uh, that's in front of us and we're not holding it. We tend to sort of do that. But if you put your hands on your thighs or your desk and you help yourself up, it's the same thing as that mic. Or, you know, if you've got your instrument, uh, you're going to you want to use it like that and not like that. Don't cradle your instrument. Wear it. Or if it's a key, it's a keyboard play it like that instead of like that. So hope that I, helps. I have a bad ha habit of cupping my microphone, which is why it's on the stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that's a no, no makes a lot of noise and actually keeps your yeah. signal from getting through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when, if it is on a stand, you know, really, you can, you can use your hands somewhere, but you, so you do have to use, hands and arms in a way that actually helps your voice, no matter what you're doing, talking, speaking, whatever genre you're in, uh, use your hands and arms, put your elbows behind you a little bit instead of in front of you. And you'll notice your rib cage opens. That's what gives your voice control because then your diaphragm's not like a nice little stretch trampoline, you know, and, uh, and then just use your seat of authority to power it. So usually what I do is with, with the students is I will walk across the auditorium and tell them that they need to talk as if there isn't a microphone in their hand so that I can hear them trying to get them to, to, right. to project. project. Right. Yeah. Right. Sometimes you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> if they, uh, you might also, and these are two other things that really enhance sound and makes the sound bigger. And that is, have them use their face. Tell them you want to talk like somebody's got to read your lips. Like there's a blind and deaf person, not blind. They couldn't read their lips. <laughs> a deaf person. Well, you know, if you can, you know, like tell them this person's hard of hearing, pretend this person's hard of hearing and you don't want to yell at them. You want to wake your face up and they'll understand that if they use their eyes and they say the words like they, you know, somebody could read their, the words in their face they're going to be louder and you're not even going to have to do much to get that volume out of them. Cool. Um, yeah. Being a songwriter, what is a song that you didn't write that you wish you had written? 
yourself. Um, I can't make you love me if you don't. Mike Reed, I think, was one of the writers on that. That's an incredible song. And uh, I love singing it. And uh, I, I, yeah, that's one I wish I'd written. Uh, there's so much depth to it. It's the strongest love song in the world because it has to do with unilateral love that doesn't even have to be uh, loved back. It's just so strong and so completely healthy that it's like, let me give this. I'm so sorry that you're going to miss this. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd written that one. I, I couldn't it. <laughs> I think I'm going to go two more questions or it's, or it's going to be 21 questions in a song. <laughs> um, and that doesn't include the one where you get to tell us where we can find you. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. I, I know the answer to that one. <laughs> so the next question is you also have a podcast called all things vocal podcast. Here's, here's your chance to to tell my listeners about your podcast especially the singers and vocalists that are hanging out that, that want to learn some more. It is for, as, as I always tag it, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers. <laughs> it's, it's really, you know, who I work with is the professional voice or someone who wants to be at the professional voice level. And that is speakers and singers. And so I love it. I've got 50 years of work in the field. And I've got over 20 years now of work with the, the singers and speakers. And I specialize in um, strain and maximizing the ability while, you know, conquering strain. So the podcast, All Things Vocal, it's free, actionable information for people. If you can't afford me, uh, you can train free that way. And if you can, you can learn from the podcast that you can trust me. So. That's that, that, that. That's what that is. Um, <laughs> what What is one thing that people have followed your career that they don't know about you that might surprise them? I love growing things. And one thing I have grown that they probably wouldn't know is bees. I've grown bees. I was a former beekeeper until the boxes just got too heavy and I got too many students. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best honey in the world, though. I love growing things. Yeah. I personally try to avoid bees <laughs> <laughs> because they and I do not get along. <laughs> Bad I, allergic. You don't make a good beekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to do, do the Benadryl when they decide they don't like me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and they they can get an attitude for sure. All right, so last, well, two things from you that I still need. Um, one is besides judyrodman.com, where where can the listeners find you online? Uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest. You know, it's all really. The only two things you need to know is Judy Rodman, and then all things vocal, pretty much. Okay. And then the last thing is um, I kind of sprung a last minute homework assignment on you to come up with a question for our <laughs> next guest, which is Davey Williamson. Um, what did you come up with? Well, I hear his rock voice and I, uh, I hear, uh, I hope he's not offended by this, but I hear some pure rock in, 
in his style. And I'm not an expert in that in calling all the subgenres of rock out. But uh, I, I want to know what kind of rock he would call himself. Uh, you know, there's my student's name is Salem Jones with one soul thrust. And she calls herself uh, pure rock. It's pure rock. Uh, but it's just like, it's, it seems to be an almost an ancient thing. Like you recognize rock when you hear it. And I, I love it when it's organic and it's got guts and when it's sung well, it's performed well. So I want to know what category of rock he would put himself in. That's the running joke on my other podcast, the Pennsylvania Rock Show, is that there are so many metal genres and subgenres that you, you really never know what to consider a band. And <laughs> I, recently, I we did a test run for that stream, that radio show in the UK, and yeah. um, I found myself messaging bands and going, okay, what genre do you want me to say this song is? <laughs> okay, you have the same question on Yep. I, you know, I like it. I like it where you get to the point uh, where, well, it's, do you know, it's, it's Judy Rodman music. So there, <laughs> put it where you want it. <laughs> hey, Judy, I, I do want to thank you for joining me on episode 57. Thank you for inviting me. It was a blast. Of, of 21 questions in a song. I mean, three questions. <laughs> <laughs> one plus one is 21, I think, with another yeah, one. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, for we just kind of touched the surface of what Judy does. You can um, find out more by going to judyrodman.com or looking up our podcast, All Things Vocal Podcast. And uh, make sure you check us out on the 1st and 15th of the month. And I mentioned the Pennsylvania Rock Show. That is every Friday. Um, it gets posted at 6 a.m. It's on various streaming radio stations and an FM station in St. Louis. So make sure you check us out there. You can go to buildascene.com to find that. You'll also be able to find this episode at buildascene.com. Um, once again, check out Judy at judyrodman.com, and I will catch you next time. Thank you. This episode of Three Questions of Song has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more on-site music from around the globe. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.